Welcome to the Cup of Nurses podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Cup of Nurses podcast. We are your hosts, Matt Slarchik and Peter Fendero. So today we are going to talk about sugar, why it's toxic. Um, have you ever realized how often you consume sugar and what products and what vegetables or what fruits that you eat have sugar or a high amount? Well, today this is what we're going to cover, right? Yep, exactly. So one um, 12-ounce can of Coke contains 39 grams of sugar. Uh, the American Heart Association recommends we consume about 37. So if you think about it, in one 12-ounce can of Coke, you're consuming your daily worth of sugar, a little, a little bit more. Yeah, so that into grams, you're supposed to be consuming only 37.5 grams of sugar, and one can of 12-ounce pop is 39. Exactly. So guys, if you're drinking a can of pop and you're consuming food, which you are because you can't be starving, you're in your limit. Yeah, but we have different types of sugars. There's a sucrose, glucose, and fructose. Uh, sucrose, that's like your table sugar. Um, that gets broken down um, in your digestive system to fructose and, um, and glucose. So it's 50% fructose, 50% glucose, and that's what we use for our energy. So that's our table sugar, right? Exactly. And I think sugar. it's from corn, um, cane sugar, and beets and all that. So that's what the manufacturers are producing to get your nice little white sugar in your kitchen. Yep. And the other one, we have glucose, which is also from that. And what's cool about glucose is that form of sugar could be directly um, injected into our bloodstream and our muscles. So it could be used directly for energy compared to the other sugar, which is um, fructose. It has to be broken down in the liver. That's the only difference between those two sugars. Glucose, um, you get that from any kind of carb you eat. That gets you as you're broken down to glucose. Like when you eat your fruits, you eat breads, that get turned into glucose. And that is regulated by insulin. So if you have glucose in your body, you're going to have a rise in insulin. Fructose, like Matt said, it's um, broken down in the liver, and it does not um, have any impact really on your insulin because it just gets, gets broken down. It doesn't get consumed like glucose does. Glucose does. Mm-hmm. And our body actually uses glucose before it even touches fructose. So before you tap into any of the fructose you consume, you got to tap into the glucose because it's your body's main source of energy. Yeah, glucose is a lot easier for our body to break down and use compared to fructose. Yeah. But they're, they're both sugars, and they're, they're both sweet. Yeah, and a lot of people know that there's sugar in fruits, but we are not realizing what the difference is. So when you have the regular um, sucrose, fructose, and glucose you're consuming in our uh, modern diet, it is all manufactured and broken down. Like if you're eating an actual apple, you got the fiber, you got the nutrients, antioxidants, all this stuff that can't get just broken down right away so your sugar shoots up. You have to wait till it gets broken down in intestines, the fiber gets broken down with enzymes, and then you have um, a cleaner source of energy and it doesn't um, fluctuate your insulin level so much. So you're not kind of jumping around like a wave throughout the day, being hungry, being full, being hungry, being full. So Yeah, fructose gets a lot of uh, bad news attention. <clears throat> you physically cannot consume enough fruit um, to overdose yourself on the fructose. I mean, if you really tried, you can, but if you eat a decent amount of fruits, you're not getting enough fructose to cause any, any damage. So if you're worried about eating fruits because of fructose content, you're really not, not doing much to you. Yeah. And until the last few decades, we started consuming so much um, fructose. It hasn't been a thing. Even high fructose corn syrup, we have never consumed it before. It's only 
modern day that we artificially produce this cheap sugar. Yeah, just to back uh, piggyback on that, the reason we have high dose corn syrup is because I guess some point in the past there was like a sugar cane shortage or something. You had low amounts of sugar or, or sucrose, so they had to figure out what to do because it was sugar was so pricey and um, sugar cane was so pricey that people turned to corn because it's really cheap and uh, very available. So they decided to make corn into some kind of yeah. a, a sweetener or sugar, and now we now we call it high fructose corn syrup. And I just realized that that sugar, I mean that gas, is made in ethanol as well, and I think. Corn is used in our fuel system right now, right? Yeah. Which is crazy. But because of this, our body has not evolved to handle so much fructose. And we're realizing that this is a huge issue, especially with the pandemic that's going on with obesity in America. And researchers are saying that it's linked directly to obesity. Like there's a lot of research that's saying that we are consuming fructose which is leading to a cascade of things that we'll talk about, like diabetes, obesity in America, right? Childhood obesity, which is a new thing that we've never realized. And that's causing this whole metabolic cascade syndrome, which is like, what, five different um, issues in our body? Yeah, there's like, there's like about five of them. But the thing is that this directly affects our blood and this stuff's in our bloodstream. So it's hitting every, every organ. So it's not only affecting like your brain or your pancreas, it's affecting literally everything, your heart, your your liver, all those organs, kidneys, all that. Because it's a, <clears throat> it's basically, it's in your blood. You know? It gets produced or it gets broken down in the liver and it gets, um, for glucose, it gets assisted with insulin. But this is all in your bloodstream. You know, it's not like cancer where it starts in one organ and only affects that organ. This is going through your whole body. So It's like a complete yeah. integrated system between your micro, your cells and all these like mitochondrias to boom your organs and then boom to your outside body. So all this stuff is this, it's like the highway. We're talking about the highway. Like imagine if the highway is always full, like how is this city supposed to function? Get, getting rid of it's like a dump, all this like stuff, right? Yeah. And we're literally clogging up the highway, which like drops off micronutrients to your body and drops it away so we could like digest it and liver and we're messing that up. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So some statistics, so the World um, Health Organization um, the diabetes has risen from 108 million in the 1980s to um, 422 million in 2014. Yeah, that's insane. That's so we're we're trying to connect the dots that hey, what's going on? And it's interesting what happened in between those um, dates, right? We'll we'll um, touch upon that. Well, let's keep going with the statistics. Yeah, and you know how we said that diabetes, um, obesity, and all those these are all linked together. So Matt mentioned that the diabetes prevalence went up um, these, these past years, and that also includes um, obesity. So our obesity um, has gone up threefold. So in 1950s, it was about 10% of society or US citizens were considered obese. Now in 2012, it's now 35. Yeah, so we literally tripled in the last um, six decades. Yeah. And what is considered obesity? <coughs> so they're using BMI. So a BMI of 30 and greater is considered obese. So if you go on a calculator online and you type in your height and your weight, it'll give you a, a BMI. Uh, people that are muscular might be skewed a little bit for the for the average person. It'll give you a pretty good accurate result if you're overweight, if you're normal weight. Yeah, so a good reference is if you're at a BMI at above at about 30, maybe a little bit lower, you should definitely see a doctor. You know, um, like Matt said, if you're more muscular, it only takes consideration to height and weight, right? The BMI. Yeah. So it could be a little bit skewed. Obviously, if you're a more muscular guy and you're short, your BMI is going to be a little bit higher. But it's safe to say if your BMI is in the 30s, 
you should definitely see a doctor. You should start doing some kind of lifestyle modifications. Exactly. Um, another source. So 2013 to 2014, the National Health Nutrition Examination Survey, which was compromised of millions of people, they're saying more than one in three adults, American adults, which is 37.7%, are considered to be obese, to have obesity. That's, an, that's crazy. One in three people. And it's crazy when we, talk about, when we talked about high blood pressure, that's one in three as well. And they're both connected, guys. Sugar, hypertension, obesity, it's all this nice giant gift that Americans are um, getting. Um, and obesity, according to the survey as well, is actually higher in women than in men. Women being 40% and women being 35%. And then one more survey, this or is more of a global level, right? Women's 40% and men is 35%. Correction, yes. So women are a greater yeah. chance of obesity in America. Then we have the OECD, which is just an organization of different economic countries. So it's compromised of 36 countries. Not China, not Russia, and they're unfortunately they're not letting us get statistics. But anyway, um, they are projecting obesity in 2030 United States um, is going to be estimated in more than 47%. So in the next 11 years, 50% of Americans are going to be obese. That's an insane stat. Half of us are going to be obese. How so, can we be so overweight? So, Matt, if we go to um, these government standards, one of us is going to be obese by 2030. Not me. No, I'll pass. <laughs> uh, and a little backstory behind this, how our political government system kind of causes pandemic. So in 1982, the American Heart Association and a few other associations, including the Department of Agriculture, decided to reduce our fat consumption from 30 to or from 40 to 30 percent so they decreased fat but instead what did they add to our diet yeah well the manufacturers and the producers they had a uh, um, filled that void with something and they couldn't fill it, fill it with fat so they decided to fill it with sugars yeah you no know, glucose um, high fructose corn syrup all that because fat in foods uh, plays a role in in the taste and longevity of the of the, of the produce so now they had to fill it with sugar to keep the taste you know yeah not only that but my little point of view is being hunter and gatherers back in our you know and um because of our ancestors fat was like a prize you couldn't get fat in like the wild and the forest and all that so when you got fat from like an animal which is what you hunted it satisfied you so much so maybe over evolution all these like thousands and millions of years, our body naturally got adapted to fat. Fat was satisfaction for us. When we reduced it, we kind of lost that taste in food. And yeah, just like you said, we put some sugar in there, sugar coated it, tastes a lot better. And here Threat we go. Since 1982. Yeah. Yeah, sugars also play a, a fairly big role on your hormones. Um, I guess the main ones would be the horm hunger hormones. Uh, the first one's glarin and a leptin. Uh, glarin is uh, your hunger hormone, so basically it increases hunger. Uh, when your body needs energy, you know cells or organs tell your body that in, tell your brain, some part of your brain that it needs food. So, glarin goes up. Glarin is directly related to glucose because they both work with insulin. Um, glarin actually correlates correlates with insulin. So if your insulin is high, you're getting more glarin because you got to feed your cells. Um, fructose or not fructose, sorry, glucose messes with that because the more glucose you have, the more insulin you have and the more glarin you have. So it's like a revolving door. You get, you eat, insulin spikes, glarin spikes, and you get hungry again. You know, so it's, it's a pretty bad cascade. Another one is lectin. That's more to do with, uh, do with fructose. That actually lets you know when you are physically full. It's in your lining of your, of your stomach, I believe. And it gets you, um, 
you get a feeling of of society. Society, yeah, society is a satisfaction that your body is telling you, "I'm full. I don't need to eat." That's why we we um, talk about eating slower because sometimes it takes a little bit longer for leptin to be produced in her body and for you to say, "I'm full." So eating longer periods of time leads to less calories consumed equals some weight loss. Exactly. But, but anyways, um, we're finding research that excessive um, consumption of fructose is actually um, causing leptin resistance. So that's regulating your fat, which is contributing to obesity. Why? Because leptin is actually a hormone that's traveling around the body and it's kind of telling all our organs that we're metabolically satisfied. All of a sudden, there's this resistance that's telling us, hey, I'm satisfied. And it's kind of like, well, pushing back. And, in, and because of this fructose intake that we're realizing because of sugar, we're feeling less full. So for some reason, we're consuming all of our calories, but it's just not nutritious to our body. And our body keeps telling us, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. Another, unfortunately, thing about um, sugar is addiction. So people say they get addiction, addicted to food and sugars. Uh, we haven't found any research out there that directly links um, sugars to addiction. With Between humans. Between so humans. dopamine and... Sugar is not linked in humans, but there was um, studies between rats that showed a correlation that sugar, they're like binging rats with sugar, then having a fast of a uh, period of fasting gave them more sugar. And it did have like this re- system remor- reward of good feeling um, when they got a rush of sugar, which led to a dopamine spike. Yeah, it's completely correct. So it's not as you can't, there's not a thing as like drugs, let's say cocaine or any kind of drugs like that, but it has similar similar effects like it does increase dopamine it makes you feel good when you eat a cookie you know you did donut you, you feel good you feel happy and that directly releases dopamine like you said it plays um on your reward system in your brain but it does increase dopamine so there is if you really think about it there is a way you could get a, you could get addicted to it but it's not going to be as um, prominent or as big as you know like a drug well like let's just say we evaluate addiction ourselves how often are you thinking so let's, let's just be mindful for a second how often are we thinking about that, oh, I want something sweet. A good thing would be maybe to journal it or use your Apple notes, start realizing how often your mind is telling you, I want something sweet. And I noticed that when I was on my little 40 day, you know, Lent fast, whatever, fasting away from sugar, I didn't realize how often I loved to consume sugar. And now that I consume sugar again, I've realized how often I do it. So it's bad. So I don't think I'm addicted to sugar. I just have a good taste for it. My mind likes to tell me, consume some sugar, have some Oreos, have some Michicana, which is this awesome Mexican ice cream place. And it's like, yeah, I think there is some kind of addiction, but it's not like right in front of your face, like smoking, because smoking is like an action. And someone can tell you, hey, you're doing that bad. It's causing some bad side effects. This, we're kind of doing it subconsciously. And it's like hidden in plain sight because it's Literally in every single product in your kitchen. Yeah, but if you really think about it, and you really break it down. Um, when you see addiction, there's the mental aspect and there's the physical aspect. Yeah. Um, like Matt said, if you journal it every time you think about something sweet, write it down, and you're, you're gonna be able to see how much time you think about something sweet. And then write also write out also write down how much times you give up or you give in to that want. And that's the mental aspect because the physical aspect, if you think about it, the more times you give into that sugary. The, the sweet um, yeah. candy or whatever, you're going to gain weight. So that's the physical portion. You know, and if you eat more sweets, you're, if you're writing stuff down and you're 
giving in to those wants and you see an increase in, in weight, you obviously, there's some kind of addiction. Yeah. You no, know, because mentally, you're addicted to it and physically, you're, you're addicted to it because you're gaining weight. Do you feel like you have an addiction to sugar? What is your actual like self-evaluation of yourself? Uh, personally, no. I'm more of a, I like salt more than sugar. I'd say sweet. I can only eat it a little bit because I just kind of, my mouth gets kind of numb. It's, I just, I'm not, not too big a fan of it. I am guilty of eating like Oreos every so often and something good like that, but I'm more of a salty kind of person. So I, I like my chips. Understand. Yeah. And touching back on like bad eating, um, and we were talking about leptin, how it's that satiety hormone that provides satisfaction and how it regulates your metabolism. I wanted to talk about like crash dieting really quick because a lot of people like to do the fad of let's do things, let's do things quick. So they go on a diet really quick. They never modify their lifestyle. They, they're happy with what they do. So they, they go on this quick diet and they stop eating less. They start getting hungry. And when hunger increases, leptin decreases. So leptin is kind of going around your bloodstream and telling your body that, guys, burn less calories, slow your metabolism down. We don't have enough energy in this body to sustain this. So what happens is your organs are still working, but it's decreasing the calories in the body. And what do you know? The 1,500 calories you were eating was causing you to lose five pounds a week. Now, it's not working and you're only losing two pounds a week and you're like, damn it. And what, what does a regular person do? They give up, they get upset with the results and they either eat less and the hormone keeps going down or they give up. Yeah, if you're trying to shock your body so hard like that, it's gonna learn to adjust eventually and it's never good idea to, to like hit dieting, crash dieting that hard. It's, you're better off losing weight gradually than just like you said, crash dieting. Because your body's gonna try and re-regulate, it's gonna go into starvation mode. It's it's gonna it's gonna cause a whole slew of problems. And like you said, um, if you don't see that weight loss consistently, you're gonna give up, and then you're right back at square one. You know, you, you crash diet for a month versus um, having a slow, calm diet for six months. That six months is gonna do you a lot more than that than that one month diet. You probably should be losing just a pound a week, so thirty five hundred calories. To be honest, yeah, if that, if that, and that's. A very healthy approach and you're giving your body time to adjust and that's going to create healthy weight loss so now that we kind of like wrapped your head around this whole thing of sugar is bad it's toxic let's talk about how it's kind of causing things so sugar you know it's causing insulin resistance which we know it kind of is pushing to diabetes it's also causing this whole metabolic cascade right exactly it's affects your liver very heavily and um, it's called metabolic syndrome. Um, it affects five things. So that's going to be um, hypertension is one of them, increased triglycerides, um, insulin resistance, and there's one more, um, obesity, I believe is one of them. If, Did I mention that one? if your abdomen is more than 40 inches yeah. of waist. Yeah. So the five ones are hypertension, uh, visceral obesity, insulin resistance, and increased triglycerides. And it's crazy that sugar is linked to all five of those things. Exactly. Just well, and, like sorry, and low HDL. Low HDL, which is your good cholesterol. So for some reason, your good, your high cholesterol gets produced. So triglycerides and the LDL, the bad cholesterol, it gets produced in the liver all the time. Um, we didn't know, or we know now, is that when we eat too much fructose, your liver goes into crazy breakdown of this. And what happens when you have too much excess energy in your body? It turns it into triglycerides. So triglycerides are floating around their body and basically causing all this other issues. 
I don't want to talk about this in yeah, this podcast. Cardiac, cardiac issues, you know, it's... But I wanted to touch upon, like, how the oils and triglycerides are affecting, like, lipoproteins, which are, like, literally, like, bumping in the arteries and, like, causing, like, rips and causing plaques. Nice. Another time for that. I love this stuff. It gives me a lot of passion. But we were talking about triglycerides. So that gets bumped up, and that's a risk factor for heart disease and even having a stroke. Exactly. Yeah, like we said, everything all ties together and you, you affect one system and it's going to end up affecting the whole body. So just having a, this, this high uh, consumption of fructose and glucose leaches this metabolic cascade, which is hypertension, visceral obesity, um, hyper, or a lot of triglycerides and low HDLs. And this mainly affects your liver. Like we said, your liver does a lot of things, it detoxifies, it produces hormones. And if you eat fructose, like we said before, that gets broken down in the liver. So you're just adding one more job for the liver. Yeah, like the liver is literally the largest organ we have in our body. Yeah, it's in charge of not only cleaning up all the crap that we're doing, toxic stuff that we're breathing in, but it's also only, only breaking down fructose because it has to be done in the liver. And the liver is used to small amounts of fructose throughout the day. Why? Because the fiber and natural fruits and vegetables takes time to break down. When we have like a pop, it goes directly into our bloodstream. Like you get, your liver gets slammed with this stuff and yeah. it doesn't know what to do. And it's causing a toll leading to something called fatty liver uh, disease. Right. It's called high fructose, high fructose for a reason because it's high in fructose. Yeah. And it's crazy that I don't know what year in the 1990s, um, the, comp- the big sugar companies, the associations, which all these big companies were affiliated with, they were funding money to try to change the name from high fructose corn syrup to just corn syrup because it sounds so much more pleasant and it probably would you know decrease their awareness of what we're trying to you know bring about to um the americans yeah that would have done a that would have been a huge blow to our health just seeing corn syrup on there instead of high fructose corn syrup because you wouldn't really look up corn syrup you know people are like oh corn syrup just corn syrup but if you say high fructose corn syrup it's like what does fructose mean and, and why is it high in corn syrup you know so it makes, makes you think more. So if small labels, easy to read labels, it doesn't make you think. You're just like, oh, it's corn syrup. And that's what I literally do. Like when I go shopping, I flip literally everything to see what has it. Like barbecue sauce, I have a hard time purchasing because literally everything has corn syrup. Ketchup, hard as well. I got to look for organic. Even though those two things aren't the healthiest, I kind of like it just for flavor sometimes. So yeah. And we were trying to actually find out what is the what is an appropriate consumption of, of sugar and um, who regulates that consumption. And we ran into like this little, like a little hole because the FDA um, isn't able to give us a direct answer of how much sugar we should consume. The stat we gave you about the 37 grams, that was from American Heart Association. Yeah. But I guess in the past they had a debate, I guess started in 1986 where they were trying to figure out what's the safe amount of sugar to consume. And they couldn't have enough research to find. There was no agreement between uh, agencies and companies on how much we should consume. This is where their response. There's a lack of scientific agreement about the amounts of sugar to be consumed in a healthy diet. So they basically, they didn't say that sugar is good or bad. They just said that we don't know how much you should be consuming. So they kind of like went around the loophole, basically. I'm sure they were getting funded very nicely by the food companies. And that was in 1986. Exactly. And in 2005, they said the same thing. So you're yeah. telling me that 20 years of research, you still haven't found any kind of evidence to well, suggest that la- we should consume. Yeah. So the last time that the sugar debate was brought about was in the federal government. So they looked at the question regarding sugar and health in 2005, and they did not show any association. So 
14 years later. Well, it's like 20. Well, 1986, 2005. It's like yeah, 19 years. Well, 05 to 2019. Do some quick math. Oh, 05 to 2019. 20, 14 years. Oh, 14 years, yeah. Cool. I know my math. So it's a, it's, it's been 14 years since the question has been asked about sugar, and our government is not doing anything about it. So, like, the caveat here is you should be in charge of your own health. You should be looking for ways to be better. You should be aware of this, and you should be aware of this when you go to the grocery stores. Like, you have to read food labels because our own government is not protecting us from something that's causing a lot of harm. Exactly. Unfortunately, there's lobbyists for these, for these industries and for these companies, and they want to make sales, so they, they try to push this mis- misinformation. They try to fund both sides. They, they fund the side that says, no, it's bad for you, and they fund the side that says, no, it's healthy for you. And they play devil's advocate. They, they play both sides, and they play very well. And um, if you put the right amount of money in the right person's pocket, you could basically do whatever you want. And it's kind of crazy. Some good political... It. You know, it's been 20 years, 1986, 2005, they gave us the same excuse of we're not sure, not enough research. Exactly. And this is, a, this is a, if you guys hear police sirens, we are in Oakland, California recording. So this is a pretty high crime rate city. Yeah, we've been okay, though. We've been doing pretty okay as travel nurses. Yeah, something it's, to touch about. Nice apartment, though. Yeah. It's okay apartment. We're recording here. So moving forward, food companies and cigarette companies have a lot in common. So the cigarette companies, there's a documentary called The Sea Wordy Stuff to watch it. They basically went from cigarettes to buying out these big food companies like Kraft and all this. So in reality, the food that you're eating, like Kraft products, it's owned by a tobacco company. They just have the different name and they're doing the same stuff. They're using very shitty ingredients to make the most amount of profit and are trying to cover up the truth for as long as possible. Just like cigarettes. When did cigarettes start? The 1800s? 1800s. So a very good way to look at this is to compare it to how cigarettes were. The timeline of mm-hmm. events. So if you think about it, this getting rid of cigarettes or making them unhealthy took you know almost 100 years. Uh, cigarettes were became popular in what mid mid 1900s or I'm sorry mid 1800s. Yeah. Um, I mean the statute not until and 1965. So about 100 years later, they started requiring labels on it, like yeah. small. Um, say small label, small print saying that it's harmful to you. And then a couple years later, 1967, um, the, where's the health? They, they basically said that mm. we're not getting enough traction. People yeah. aren't realizing that these labels are bad. So they made a warning to say on every single cigarette package, warning, smoking is dangerous to your health and may cause death right. from cancer and other diseases. This was required in the United States. And not until 1981, this Finally, 1981, the Surgeon General came in and said, hey, cigarette smoking is, is bad for you. You cannot keep smoking. Yeah. So if you think about it, from mid-1800s all the way to 1981, to the Surgeon General to announce this. That's insane. So they're doing the same thing with sugar, guys. And we have to take you know, direct action to this. Um, even as like nurses, I don't think nurses are aware of like diabetes, for example. Like a regular nurse is like, yeah, your sugar's too high. You need... Four units of insulin, you put some insulin in, the number naturally goes down, and what the range is happy, we're happy, we go home. But like, we're not telling these people how to actually stop what's going on. Right, that goes into a whole nother topic where yeah. here in Western society, we focus more on treatment. We don't really do too much prevention. If you come to the hospital when you're sick, you leave when, when you're better, and then you repeat the process, and you're back in the hospital, and you leave. And no one really teaches you prevention. There's no like prevention clinics. You go to a doctor, see your physical. He tells you a few things, and you don't see him for the next year. And that's crazy. If 
if we talk more prevention and how to prevent, you know, diabetes, prevent um, obesity, we'd definitely be in a lot better shape than we currently are. Yeah, it's like my dad got prescribed, for example, like um, a prescription pill for blood pressure, Carvedrol, and it was a specific dose. So the first time he went to the doctor's office, his blood pressure was in the 80s, so they decreased the dose. Um, he did a lot of lifestyle modifications since then, including, you know, cutting down drinking and stopping cigarette smoking. And his blood pressure has been so great. So the last time we were in a cardiologist, I'm like, well, maybe he should get off the medication. He said, no, he should stay on it. Like the doctors are, are not even having faith in their own patients to realize that, hey, I'm eating better now. Take me off the pill. Let's see how I do. And let's come back in three months or maybe earlier and see what my blood pressure is. Right. They're not giving people a chance. Like as soon as you're on a pill, it's like forever as if it's like this is the way of life. Like you have to be on a pill at a specific age and it's only your health is declining. You have to get more pills. Like that's not that's not reality. It's not just like with a lot of things. You got to learn to just do things yourself. You know, there you have the Internet available to you excuse me, you have all this information around you, there's no reason you should be making bad choices. Like, if you are not sure on what to eat or how to eat, you can see a doctor, but you have internet. You don't want to crash diet. You want to eat healthy. You want to get all your nutrients in, and you just want to do prevention before you get a treatment because it's going to cost you so much less money if you prevent than you actually treat. Wise words by my friend Peter here. So, guys, this was the awesome podcast episode about sugar, why it's toxic, You guys should subscribe if you haven't already. Whoever listened to this far, awesome. Thumbs up. Can you guys please subscribe, rate our channel, um, shoot us an email or a comment and let us know what you guys want us to talk about. Um, We love to help nurses and anything in this niche of health prevention and wellness. Yeah, exactly. If you have a topic in mind that's interesting to you that you you think might help others, just shoot us an email, comment, and we'll look into it and check it out. So the, the takeaway question is, How much sugar do you consume? And do you think it's too much? And if it's too much, more than 37.5 grams, you should take a look at your diet. Exactly. Have a great day from Oakland. Take care, guys.